What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Those are the two accounts where we post out all of our baseball and fantasy baseball content, and we're going to be continuing to do so throughout this offseason. I'm currently working on my rankings for next year. Now, this will be the first version of, I think I'm going to do three of them, and I'm thinking I'm going to release them, uh, the first part anyway this weekend, and they'll be out on SportsEthos.com and at EthosFantasyBB. It should be, I think I'm going to do a top 50. I'm starting to work my way through it. I think we're going to go 50 deep right now. Don't need to go so far into it. There's still so much that's going to change, but that'll be one of the many things, one of the many pieces of content that's going to be coming out throughout this offseason, some rankings. I'm going to do some projections throughout the year we got a lot of good stuff going on in Sports Ethos. Please do check out our website. Check out some of the premium packages we have, Fantasy Passes, DFS, Wagering, all of that great stuff. But we are going to conclude our first base shows today. There is a couple of guys who we've passed up for one reason or another. I should have mentioned Ty France yesterday. For whatever reason, I just passed him up. Uh, we're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about a couple of other guys. Now, we've gone through most of the really important first baseman most of the guys were providing a lot of value there's a couple of guys that we did skip over that were you know mainly play other positions your Alec Bohms your Austin Riley's your Kyle Schwarber's guys that are eligible at first that we're going to talk about in the third base outfield videos uh, for those respective guys so today just a couple of more guys this will be a very short podcast probably the shortest one we've done because there's really not so much uh, else that I want to get into for first baseman right now we will be doing more of an in-depth look at hitters as a whole at pitchers as a whole as well and we'll be looking at advanced stats. Some of you might be wondering, like, why I'm not really throwing out many advanced stats here. This is just our first look through. This is not, you know, we're not setting anything in stone here. It's still October. There's still playoffs going on for this year. Next year, I like to start taking a look at it. I think it's fun. I'm doing rankings because I like to do that kind of thing. I'm a big list person. I like to, to order things in terms of how I like them, in terms of how I rate them. So I'm going to be doing that partially for fun, partially for you guys to just see Generally, what I'm thinking, see what a couple other people are thinking. There's some early rankings that have come out from a few people. So don't look at just one person. Just look at a bunch of rankings, see who makes sense, or see what the consensus uh, is saying in general. But we're going to move on. We're going to talk about our first baseman here. I'm going to start off with Ty France because I had him on a few teams. I had him in my home league. And, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't say he disappointed because of how great he was to start the year, but he certainly fell off down the stretch. He ended up 65 runs, 20 homers, 84 RBIs, and a two seventy six batting average. He was the 123rd ranked player. It's impossible to say really that he was disappointing, especially when you look at where he's being drafted. 157 on Yahoo, 150 on the NFBC. He still outperformed that draft slot by a couple of rounds. So you're not going to say that it was disappointing, but Ty France was the number one ranked fantasy player for the first month plus of the season. He was just excellent. And he was somebody that I talked about down the stretch as being someone that you could probably drop. Now, he as soon as I said you could probably drop... Um, as soon as I said you can probably drop Ty France, the guy went on a hot streak that week, which is, you know, it tends to happen in this industry. You say somebody can be dropped, they tend to go off right when you drop them. But Ty France, it was kind of trending that way all year that he was going to be a drop. Like March and April, he was batting 337 uh, with five homers. Uh, in May, 355 with two, only two homers, but I mean 355. And then after that, he really fell off. Uh, month by month, June, it was 244. July, 275. August, two, or 176. And then September, 254. So down the stretch, I mean, if you split it up first half and second half, in the first half, uh, he had 11 home runs, and he batted 308. Second half, nine home runs, batted 233. Now, where is he going to be going next year? 
I think we're probably looking at the same range of where he finished this year in that 120 kind of range. I think he'll probably go generally in that same range as some of those guys we were tearing together yesterday, Hoskins and Crone and Telez. Those guys, I think we're going to see him go generally in that same tier, maybe a little bit higher because he does have that uh, positional versatility. First, second, and third base eligible on Yahoo, which is obviously great. For me, I had him plugged in at first base a lot of the year. But uh, when you can move somebody around like that, it really, really helps. Uh, baseball, it's not, it's definitely important. I mean, if you're talking about, like, in terms of all sports, I think basketball is the one where multi-positional versatility uh, eligibility really helps you the most. But this is still really good, obviously, all across the infield. Ty France, I, I like him heading into next year. I think he's going to be fine. I don't think he's going to be someone who, you know, knocks you, knocks you away, essentially. Uh, but if you look at what he did this year, it was pretty similar to what he did last year, not in terms of like the exact stats, but in terms of the overall production. I mean, he had less uh, runs, a couple more homers, more RBIs, a slightly lower average. Generally, it evened out to being pretty similar to what he did last year. So if he's going to be drafted, you know, in that 110, 120 range, I think I'm okay with it. I think he'll probably be slightly ahead of those other guys. And I think, you know, based on that positional eligibility, based on what Seattle's doing, I think they're going to be a very good team. Uh, I'd be pretty okay with taking Ty France somewhere around 10, 11-ish uh, if you're talking a 12-teamer. He might go a little bit higher. Maybe that would be where I would you know, not be so interested. If it's inside the top 100, top 80, I wouldn't really want to grab him there. But if he's going in this range of where he finished, uh, I'm going to be pretty all right with that. Let's talk about Vinny Pasquantino, Vinny P himself, the Italian breakfast. The dude was really good. I, I really like Vinny. I mean, he's, he's a funny follow on Twitter, too, if you guys follow Vinny on Twitter posts about football and a bunch of different random stuff. He's got a good sense of humor. That's not what we're talking about here, though. Of course, we're talking about the baseball side. And he was really promising. I mean, he ended up, and I mean, Christ, I almost want to like double check this to make sure it's right because it doesn't even feel right. But he had a 295 average. Uh, he finished the year with a 295 batting average. And I'm going to, you know, that's what Yahoo is saying. It feels wrong. No, it was 295. He was that hot down the stretch here. Uh, man, I, I honestly didn't think he he finished above like two. 60 or something that's like he was really hot I didn't really have any shares at the end of the year uh, but September October he batted 361 the dude was legit down the stretch I've talked about how much I like Kansas City going forward Melendez I really like the dude Bobby Witt I really like the dude Prado we I gotta really see what he can do at the major league level still and Pasquantino like I really like this core I think they need to add some more pieces until they're you know really solidified as a solid team. They're still very young. Uh, they're still going to be developing these guys. But Vinny Pasquantino is going to be a guy who's probably not drafted so high up in your standard Yahoo leagues. You know, maybe in the NFBC, he'll be drafted pretty high. I know if Rob DiPietro sees him on a draft board, he's probably going to take him. But if we see him in the 200-ish kind of range over on Yahoo, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I think that's probably where he's going to fall. People are going to factor in the, like, the fact that it's Kansas City. Not a great team this year. Not the greatest offense. I think they're going to get better. But a lot of people will look at what they did this year and say, no, thank you. And it's totally understandable. Maybe people want somebody with another position. I tend to look for somebody who has a second position. It doesn't matter so much with your first baseman. Vinny's just got the first base. Maybe a couple of people will be put off by that. They'd rather go with a France or Luisa Rise or somebody who they can plug in at different spots. Understandable. Maybe they'll be fading him, passing him up or whatever because of that. I don't think it'll matter so much, but maybe you get another round value out of him there. I think 200 is probably roughly where we're going to see him go. And I'd be totally cool with that if he's going anywhere in that range. Even like 180, I think I think we're going to be really all right here, especially seeing what he did down the stretch. 
Uh, if you're talking uh, and ADPs from last year, he was not drafted on Yahoo and on the NFBC 735, you know, some draft champions uh, picks. People were hoping maybe with their last pick he'd get called up, and you're probably very happy if you did pick him in draft champions uh, format. But next year, uh, that's 735. We're certainly going to be looking at top 200, top 220 kind of player, and I I love him in that range. Let's talk about Luke Voigt now. I was pretty big on him heading into the year. I thought going over to San Diego, getting out of the New York media would be really good for him. I thought that you know, in that lineup, we were expecting to have Tatis back sooner than we did in Machado and everybody else. I thought he'd thrive, and, well, he doesn't play for the Padres anymore. He got traded midseason. He finished with exactly 500 at-bats, which for Luke Voigt, I didn't think he'd stay healthy enough to even get 500 at-bats, so, I mean, kudos there. Uh, 55 runs, 22 homers, 69 RBIs, one steal, and a two twenty six batting average. It was about fine, I guess. It wasn't anything great. I mean, the odds are if you were in a 10- or a 12-team league, you probably dropped him. 15, you probably didn't. Uh, but he's currently sitting right now. I know it's not the most accurate representation, but he's sitting at 32% rostered in Yahoo leagues as of today. So it was probably somewhere in the 40s for most of the year. I can't remember exactly. He did bounce around quite a bit. There were times where he was productive. There were times when he was really good. And then, I mean, once he got traded to Washington, I wasn't a huge fan of his value there. Down the stretch these last couple of weeks, he was okay. Uh, but, I mean, I'd like to see him go to a better team next season. Uh, if he stays in Washington, I'm not sure how much fantasy value he's going to have outside of home runs. The counting stats are not going to be there. We're not going to get steals. We're not going to get average. You need to hope for runs and RBIs with Luke Voigt. So if he's on Washington, it's not a great team. I don't know how much faith I'd really have in him being a great fantasy asset. From where he's being drafted this year, uh, NFBC 240 and on Yahoo 217.7. Probably stays right about the same, if not goes a little bit lower. He was the 327th ranked player on Yahoo. He was okay. I mean, the 22 home runs is all right. 69 RBIs, not bad. Uh, but everything else, I mean, it's nothing really that you need to worry about reaching for in your drafts. It's, I, I'm not a huge Luke Voigt guy. I mean, if he goes to a really nice team, if he gets an everyday role on a contending team, then, you know, I'd be happy to take him somewhere around 200, 250 in that kind of range next year. But if he just stays on the Nationals, I'm not sure about the contract situation with him. Might as well look it up here while I got you guys. I haven't really dug so deep into contracts uh, for next year. A couple of guys that will be free agents, obviously Trey Turner, Bogarts, who who we know of. Uh, no, Voigt is under contract through 2024. Jesus, that's not good. Unless he gets traded, I think he's going to be on the Nationals next year. Probably not going to be worth a pick anywhere inside the top 200 in that case. Maybe 250-ish, you start to, to nibble a little bit there. But we've talked about so many different first base options. There are so many due to provide great value down the board. We've talked already uh, over these last three days about 2025 first baseman. And there's other guys who aren't first baseman that you can still plug in there. And there's other dudes that we're just not going to talk about because there's just, you know, there's too many of them. We're not going to talk about Owen Miller. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about Joey Manessis at some point, not today. Uh, Paredes is eligible there. Jesus Aguilar. There are so many dudes, and they're not great. But I mean, Jesus Aguilar, what he's providing you is pretty similar to what you're going to get from Luke Voigt, and he's going to be drafted lower than Luke Voigt next year, I'd imagine. So Luke, Voigt, Luke Voigt's not somebody that I would want to reach for at all if he falls to you in the 15th, 20th round or something like that. Sure, should be all right, I guess. But don't go out of your way to get to get him for next year. I think he peaked in 2020, and we've kind of been chasing that ever since. And I don't, I don't think it's really in him. Let's talk about Trey Mancini, though. 
He was the 202nd pick on the NFBC and 188th over on Yahoo. And he ended up finishing, oh, Jesus, it was just here, now it's gone, lower than you would expect. Now, if you're just going to think, where would Trey Mancini have ranked on the season? You probably would say, you know, 200, something roughly like that. It was 362. That was his ranking. He had 56 runs, 18 homers, 63 RBIs, and a 239 batting average. I like Trey Mancini quite a bit, and I'm, while I'm doing the contract stuff, I wasn't really planning on doing this, but let's take a look. I'm not really sure. I think he is an expiring deal, or he has maybe one more year. Yeah, he's got one more year. So assuming he's going to be in Houston next year, I don't think they'll trade him. I, th- I like the move. I thought he would do better once he went to Houston. I thought we'd see some more home runs. And, I mean, the home runs were, were pretty good. Uh, he had eight of them in 51 games, but he only batted 176. He had 29 hits and 165 at-bats. Not good. Not good stuff. I think that he'll be all right. You give him a whole year there with that lineup, playing probably a little more regularly, say 130, 140 games, and he'll probably be sneaky, sneaky strong pick for next season. He's a guy who we've seen hit up to 35 home runs before, usually probably going to be a 20, 25 kind of home run guy, uh, but he can give you 25 to 30 potentially, and in that lineup, he could give you like 90 runs, 90 RBIs. I don't think it's likely but if he's playing every day batting fifth for the Astros, because the way they set their lineups, it's not, you know, best to worst like a lot of teams do it. They kind of mix around. They had Kyle Tucker batting sixth for a lot of the year. They do weird shit in the lineup. Maybe they get Mancini back. Well, I mean, they'll have Mancini back. Maybe he bats fourth. Maybe he bats fifth or something, you know. And in that case, it's hard to project going into the season. But he'll be a very interesting draft pick. Now, what I say? He was going last year close to 200. Yeah, 202, 188 probably falls off a little bit based on what he did once he came to Houston. A lot of people will think, okay, he was in a great te- great lineup, great team, and he didn't really produce. That kind of sucks, sure. Uh, you know, you, you need to give him a little bit more time than that to get acclimated to the new environment. I think, anyway, in uh, Baltimore, 10 homers, 41 RBIs. He batted 270 in 92 games. Bigger sample size in Baltimore. I mean, sh- the shit they did to their park this year is a miracle. Anybody hit any home runs, or righties especially, uh, but Trey Mancini, I think he'll be a really interesting draft pick, assuming that he does slip a little bit. Even if he didn't, I think around 200, you'd be probably all right to take a chance on him here. 200 to 220, 230. And maybe even falls a little bit further down. People will be unsure about playing time or whatever. The fact that he's got the multi-position eligibility is really huge for me. They can stick him in the outfield. Now, for Houston, he played 10 times at first base, 17 times at left, and one time at right. Uh, he also DH 20 times, so they can move him around the field. It's not like he has to play first base. They've also got Yuli Gurriel, who we're going to talk about in a second. So, you know, they're not like – it's not like he, they have Gurriel, so they're not going to be able to play um, Trey Mancini. I think that they're both going to get playing time. Now, Gurriel is a free agent. Maybe he doesn't come back. Maybe he retires. I'm not sure. If he does leave, then that's just even better for Mancini. just kind of guarantees him that first base slot. But even if Gurriel comes back, which – I mean, I, I would expect him to come back probably. Maybe they win the World Series, he retires or something. I don't know. But assuming he does come back, uh, I would expect you know, there to be some kind of platoon there. But with Mancini's second position, uh, Gurriel will DH sometimes. I, I'm not really too worried about either of them having value, specifically Mancini, Gurriel, a little bit more worrying. Let's move on to him now. He was 167th pick over on Yahoo and 204th on the NFBC. And we got to remember, Yuli Gurriel last year was the batting champion in the American League. He did not put up the same caliber season, for sure. Even though he had more at-bats, it was you know, it was definitely an inferior season. 545 at-bats this year compared to 530 last year. Not a big difference, sure, a couple games. But he only had 53 runs this year as opposed to 83 last year. He had only eight home runs as opposed to 15 last year. 
53 RBIs as opposed to 81 last year. And the, the one crazy thing, I mean, the average is also lower. He had a 242 average. It was 319 last year. The dude stole eight bases. And last year, he had one stolen base. Yuli Gurriel is not somebody that you can expect to really steal any bases. I know there are some people who were adding him for steals at one point. It's a crazy notion. But, I mean, there was that one week where Jonathan Scope stole, like, four bases. And then everybody added Jonathan Scope thinking they could get steals. And then I don't think he stole another base the rest of the year. It's very predictable. Do not think that Yuli Gurriel can get you some steals. If you're going to get stuff out of him, it's going to be a decent batting average, decent counting stats. Now, a lot of this depends on if he comes back, if he stays in Houston. Houston's the only team he's ever known in the big leagues. And, you know, he's only played seven years despite being 38 years old. His first season, he was 32. So he doesn't have the longest major league career. He played uh, before he came over from – where I forget where they're from now. Uh, the, they're from Cuba. Jesus. Yeah, for a second I thought Dominican. But, no, he's they're from Cuba. He played in Cuba. So – I don't know. If I'm him, if they don't win the World Series, I think I'm going to come back another year. Maybe they do, and he retires. He's kind of a tricky one to place next season. I don't think he'll be very expensive at all. He's going to be someone where maybe you speculate on your very last pick in the draft, 250, 270, 300 kind of range over on Yahoo. NFBC probably same same deal, or even lower, you know, 3 to 350 kind of range over there based on the data. I, I haven't had any experience playing in the NFBC, but from the data that I've looked at, seeing where people landed, seeing year-to-year data, I think that probably makes sense that he would fall down to that range. Uh, this season, he was 204. He'll definitely fall at least like 100 picks based on what he did this year. He should, anyway. Maybe it's 55, maybe it's 75. But he'll definitely be fairly discounted heading into next year. And I, I, it's right, he should be discounted. Uh, but maybe, you know, you take your last pick on him. He gets an everyday spot in that lineup, and you're still able to get maybe something between this year and last year. Maybe you get 12 homers, 70 RBIs, 70 runs, and a 280 batting average, which would be totally fine, especially in a 12-teamer. You have him as your first baseman, or maybe you have him in a utility slot, or maybe he's just a bench guy for you, and you stick him in here and there. Uh, but I think if he does play, there should still be some value in Yuli Gurriel. I wouldn't be reaching for him. I wouldn't really be reaching for any of these guys that we just mentioned. Maybe Vinny P, you'd go a round or two above because, you know, the potential's there. We saw down the stretch what he was able to do. I'm still kind of shocked that he was able to bat 295 this year. Like, you know, I was following him quite a bit when he first came up, and I had him in a points league, so I wasn't really focused so much where I had him there on the batting average. I would just see, you know, 10 points, 7 points, 6 points, 5, whatever it was. But from what I remember, he was in like the 240 range for a good while, 240, 250. And then, man, like down the stretch, I guess it shows you what you can really do um, over the last month of the season, what that can do for your season as a whole. Guys, this is not going to be a long show. This is going to be pretty much where we wrap it up today. It's a very busy time for me. And first baseman here, we just needed to kind of conclude with a couple of more important names that we just needed to get through here. So we will come back. We will circle back to first base at some point. Uh, Maybe not specifically first base, but we will talk in general about these guys we've talked about again. There are a couple of other dudes like Joey Manessis, who, you know, we talked about him a lot during the season. I think he's kind of an interesting late round pick next year. The Nationals probably aren't going to be doing shit all with their roster. So he'll probably have a spot, whether he's, you know, uh, a bench clubhouse kind of guy or if he's getting regular playing time. I'm really not too sure, but he'll be kind of an interesting guy. We'll dig into um, more so later in the offseason. He'll be a guy I want to get more into the advanced stats. And we're going to bring on some people throughout the offseason who know how to analyze players better than I do. And we'll talk with a couple of guys who really know uh, the advanced metrics very well. But guys, that's going to wrap it up for me today. Make sure you guys are following over on Twitter at JoeRico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's the important one, EthosFantasyBB. 
I'm going to start posting out shows from that account. That's where my articles and rankings and everything else will be posted out from. So please do go follow over there. Download, subscribe, do all that great stuff, and we will see you again tomorrow. Cheers, everybody. Take care. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.